Welcome back to the podcast on everything. I am your host, Dan Berlin. Today's episode is The Last Dance, episode three and four recap. I have Steve Winslow with me. Uh, what up, what up? Welcome to the podcast, Steven. He is a big basketball fan, very knowledgeable about 90s and 80s basketball. I want to say 80s. <laughs> 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 well, I, know, I know a little sucky Yeah, but he's been watching it, and I want to really get his take on it. And we're going to start off with episode three, which I basically just call it the Dennis Rodman episode. Um, yeah. yeah. So it basically starts off with the background of Dennis Rodman, which is insane. Um, Steven, do you want to kind of talk about that? So I think the whole it's pretty cool because it gives you a dynamic of like how uh, Dennis Rodman was um, what he was growing up, a small snapshot of what he was growing up and then how he ended up becoming a basketball player playing in, I think it was like a small college. And then... Um, I have never even heard of the college to this day. Me neither. <laughs> me neither. And it's crazy, like, the story. I think I saw something earlier, like, way before the last dance came on, a story about Dennis Rodman. And it kind of, it was kind of different. It was kind of the same, but it was kind of different. Like, he had problems at home and stuff like that with his mom's. But I thought, like, he excelled at high school basketball, and that parlayed into his college uh, opportunity because he was, like, friends with, like, this little kid and all these other things. Like, it was, like, this big Dennis Rodman story. And then, um, but now they're talking about how he, how he was homeless, and he just, by happenstance, was discovered or seen by somebody from a slow uh, college, and that's how he became, uh, ended up on the college team and getting drafted. About yeah, so that was a pretty interesting story, though. It it was because he talks about the people he was hanging out with when he got kicked out, and he's like, mm-hmm. "They're all doing drugs and stuff." I don't know why I didn't do them, yeah. but I didn't. And he's just different. Yeah, and it's awesome that he didn't because now look at him. Because if he did, you never would have heard about him. Yeah. Yeah. So he goes to I think it was Southeast Oklahoma State University. It sounds yeah. like the Water Boy. University, you know, <laughs> it's like <laughs> with all these names, but yeah, he just kicked butt. I think him and Scotty Pippen went to the most uh, unknown schools throughout the whole document. Well, no, actually, Phil Jackson. When I we'll, we'll go to and yeah. we'll talk about it in, in <laughs> the next part, but Phil Jackson's uh, college was pretty uh, small too. But <laughs> yeah. yeah, so like the big three on the team. You had um, Michael Jordan come from like the not a big basketball mecca in Wilmington, North Carolina. You got Scottie Pippen coming from wherever in Arkansas, mm. and then and then you know wherever Rodman is, but he goes whatever university <laughs> that is. You know, it's just cool that all three of them become like this dynasty in the NBA. Like, like you wouldn't expect that. Like think about today. And I think if you want to, if I can go all the way back to like the opening of that episode, and he talks about how um, basically their chances of repeating wouldn't be as great if it wasn't for him. It takes balls to say that when you have somebody 
like a Michael Jordan on your team, but then you think about all the stuff that he does, and like kind of like, man, he probably is right. Like he probably could have, they probably could have mm-hmm. done anything without uh, what Robin does. Because Robin, he was the man. Like you broke your nose, I, I take, I get a broken nose, y'all can beat me up, but I'm gonna do my thing. Mike wouldn't do that. Scotty wouldn't do that. I was the, you know, the person that took all the, the bruises for y'all so y'all can flourish. And, like, dude's crazy. Yeah, and it it takes a special kind of person to be like that. And they're showing clips of him constantly diving in the stands and just, you know, (laughs) just, like, fighting for that loose ball and getting ejected and all that. And it's like, man, like, you're you're darn right. Like, that's not going to happen with them because they have too much to lose by jumping in the fans, you know. Dennis Rodman is... Probably one of the most underrated players of that time. Like all, like I feel like everything he did off the court, and some of the things like when he kicked the cameraman in the nuts and stuff like that, <laughs> and he had butted the uh, like those things overshadowed who he was as a, as a basketball player. I feel like that was kind of unfair. Like he didn't get his just due. Um, like even when he was uh, a Pistons, when he was on the Pistons, and you know, they won two championships with him, and then he moved on to um, San Antonio. Go to San Antonio. I don't think no, he didn't win a championship with San Antonio because they won after Jordan left. But yeah, so you know, you got five rings, and you were always in. But you were always in the third or the fourth wheel. With the Bulls, it was Jordan and Pippen first, right? Yeah. Then with the Pistons, you had Joe Dumars. Uh, Bill Lambert, Isaiah Thomas, and then you had Dennis Rodman. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, so yeah. Yeah. Um, but it, it talks about J- Chuck Daly, the Pistons coach, and how yeah. how he was like a father figure and helped him helped him grow and learn the game and all yeah. that. And then it kind of seems like right as Chuck Daly leaves, that's when Dennis Rodman goes unhinged. And he brings a gun to, I guess it was a practice, and falls asleep. Yeah. And then, and then it just was like downhill from there, at least publicly, of what kind of person Dennis Rodman was. But they don't go into why they why he brought the gun. Like, was it Chuck Daly, or could have been outside influences? They didn't really go too much into detail. I wish they would have, but maybe that documentary you were talking about did. I mean, I think that his, uh, like Dennis Rodman's, um, like his whole, his whole story is like, kind of like, he was lacking. He was lacking an authority figure in his life. Him and his mother always butt heads, but you never heard a story about his father. So he always seen, seemed to like, you know, be in need of a father figure. I think he found that in Chuck Daly. And like you said, like, once Chuck Daly left, his downward spiral began, like, that was connected. And I kind of find it ironic that he had probably three of the most effective, that can get the most out of you, those type of coaches between Daly, Popovich, and then Phil. You understand what I'm saying? So, like, um, he was always, to me, he was always in search of something or someone to just like be some type of like big brother or dad, the dad that he never had. Yeah. The thing I really appreciate about this episode 
with Dennis Rodman is they get really into how much he loved the game of basketball. And they yeah. show him studying, taking rebounds, and he's like, I'll pay attention to how the ball spins yeah. and how to go. And it's just like, man, this guy could be like an amazing coach like one day. But obviously, like right now, he's definitely not ready for it, you know, going to North Korea and stuff. But like how he can <laughs> – but how, how knowledgeable he is about – Defense and the lost art of rebounding. Man, and it's crazy because if you think about when he was in college, he was a scorer, and then yeah. when he, got <laughs> he was like, and it was kind of like, what? He was averaging like twenty-seven points a game. Yeah, and I was like, what? <laughs> what? Even when you get he gets to to, to um, Detroit, he's like, you could tell that like, right right off the bat how smart he is because he's like. Well, you got Isaiah doing this. You got Joe doing this. You got Bill and Ben doing this. You got Rick Mahorn doing this. How can I fit in? Oh, I can rebound. I got hops for days. I got my 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 conditioning is crazy. His conditioning is sick. Yeah. And then you know I can just rebound. And that right there, like you are able to resolve within yourself exactly what your position is in that team and be effective at it. Man, that makes a dope person. Now, as far as coaching, at any time in the future, <laughs> I don't know. I don't think he would have. I mean, maybe you would run a camp, but do you teams really see him at eight eighty-two game schedule trying to coach the team and not not in that those are the things? Yeah, and not in that capacity. But I could see him getting hired by a few individuals to teach him the skills and develop yeah. them on the side like that because I know like yeah. Lillard and others they'll get a trainer and they'll work with them in the off season on certain things I could see yeah. him maybe doing that with someone that is kind of into getting rebounds and doing the dirty work yeah I remember in school like when like around that heyday I think like I, around that time I was in 7th 8th ninth grade and I was playing like high Junior high school ball, and then when I got to high school, I played rec ball. Two players I always modeled my game after was always Dennis Robin for rebounding, and then like Jason Kidd for just like the old all around. Like I was the person like that. I wanted to rebound, but I also wanted to distribute the ball. I didn't like I didn't mind scoring. I get my twelve points and everything, but I'd rather like get rebounds, be the guy to die for the ball, and and everything like like that was. Like what I wanted to do, like like Dennis Rodman, Jason Kidd, especially Dennis Rodman because he was like working behind off, like dang, like you know, yeah, like yeah, the people that really paid attention to basketball knew his value, and mm -hmm. the 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 trivia stats that they had for this episode, it was like mm -hmm. he led the league seven times in rebounding in a row. Like who's like had it the most like in a row? And it was like two. It's like. <laughs> There's like no comparison. He's he's so good at that at that one skill. But you, you just think about it: offensive rebounding. And like me and you, we're Carolina fans. How many mm -hmm. times? Like you, you miss sixty percent of your shots basically. And if you can get a second shot, that totally increases the amount of points and opportunities you get yeah. on offense. No doubt. No yeah. doubt. And then um, I think like. He was, I think a lot also it was like the fact that he was motivated and the people around him kept him motivated. Um, like Mike, 
when that time when he got in episode three when he talked about how he got ejected and he was kind of like huff like 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 loafing it and everything just like not really putting much effort into it and got himself kicked out and they showed up at mike at mj's um hotel room and asked for a cigar and then yeah. you know it was kind of like an unspoken apology and then from mm-hmm. then on he was like i'm going to be that dude that you know you can count on while scotty is out like he was on his best behavior like like i don't know like people totally like underestimated underestimated him and undervalued him underappreciated him yeah the way i was yeah the way i was watching that that you brought up i could have saw them without scotty pippen maybe win the championship if rodman stayed that kind of guy because you see them talking yeah. on the bench to each other about these plays and how deep they're getting in their conversation, mm-hmm. and you're like, "Man, he is on the ball. He knows exactly what what to do. He's going. He's like thriving without Scottie Pippen." Yeah, man, that was that was um, that was probably, I think that that right now is probably my, probably my favorite episode. Yeah, well, let's get into some more stuff. So we're going back and forth. So let's go back and they go over basically the Doug Collins era of uh, the Chicago Bulls, which lasted three seasons. And yeah, it was it shouldn't have ended early, and they they end up talking about it. But basically, this is when Michael Jordan just becomes the best player in every category because Doug Collins is interviewed, and what does he say? He won defensive MVP. He won offensive MVP. He won the all-star. league. Yeah, all-star, like, like the league in steel. And he's just like naming all these things like that happened under me. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, I didn't like knowing, like, what, did he coach, coach for the Pistons, coach for the Wizards. Like, he was able to draw that type of, um, he was able to draw that type of talent out of people. Like, when he, I think, was it with the Pistons when he, when, was it Grant Hill? Was it the year with, I forget what year he was with the Pistons. But then, like, when you move on to when you had Gilbert Arenas on the Wizards, like, he was able to draw the best out of people. And, like, he saw something special in Michael. And, like, that went from, you know, being the, the crazy, uh, coke snorting, drug indulging Bulls, <laughs> Bulls team and stuff like that to like they were the up and coming team. I kind of like equate them to like how the Milwaukee Bucks are now. You know, that really, really all around talented team, kind of on the cusp of greatness, and you know you just need something else, you know, sprinkled in. But like it was crazy how. He, like, the effort, like, they gave for him. And then, like, how Michael Jordan right off the bat was like, man, you know, just driven. Like, I'm driven to even, like, see you win your first game. You know, I'm not going to let you down. And goes <laughs> ham at the garden, man. What? <laughs> yeah, and, yeah, and Doug Collins, it, they, they developed this nice relationship in which... Yeah. Michael Jordan got into an argument with them, left, came back, and like in front of everybody, like kisses him on the cheek. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, when, I, when I first saw it, now I've seen that episode twice. I've seen this. I've watched. I've always tried to watch both episodes twice to see if I miss anything. But when I saw them both occasions, I really thought like Collins was going to turn in too much, 
and kind of like apocalypse. <laughs> <laughs> like that, like so, like in Hitch. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like Mike was leaning to kiss someone in the cheek, but I didn't want Doug to like, like kind of like misjudge the turn and like, mm-hmm. dang, now we got two, two, two dudes kissing. <laughs> yeah. but that was pretty dope. Um, yeah, they 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 butted heads and then finally found their way back and got back on the same track. Um, yeah. The only thing that kept stopping them was the Pistons. Yeah. Now, so so let's get right into that that playoffs, which is kind of like the last part of the episode, mm-hmm. and it's it's uh, 1989. We're talking about and when the shot. And um, I just had it. It was game five out of five. It's back and forth. And they go and they're like talking to Jordan. And like, everyone knows. I think Doug Collins says, he's like, everyone knows we're going to Jordan. Jordan's (laughs) like, everyone knows they're going to me. And they make a basket with like 10 seconds left. And I was like, you know, I get all excited. And I like forget for a moment, like what the shot is. And then, yeah. I, and then you show the Cleveland Cavaliers come down and make it. I'm like, oh shit, they, the Bulls lost? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm like, there's no way they can make it with three seconds left. <laughs> and you told, you told them wrong. Yeah, do you remember who was guarding Jordan <laughs> at the time? Elo. <laughs> Craig Effin Elo. Matter of fact, if you think about it, Elo scored when, when it was three seconds left. Um... If you pay attention, like, Elo inbound, it was kind of like a give-and-go. He inbounded the ball to, I forget who, I want to say Doherty, but I might, I might be wrong. But let's just say he inbounded the ball to Doherty, and then he cut to the basket. The dude that was supposed to be on Elo was Sellers, number two. This dude totally whiffed. Let Elo just go by and, and like, just hit off the class. I'm sick. I, you can see, like, during the timeout, Mike, Mike, like, Jordan is sick. Like, it's like, man... Small, we're gonna go like, dude, like, just miss. And then when they had that timeout with the Cavs, who was first of all? Who was, I forgot the coach's name. I forget the coach's name that was uh, coaching the Cavaliers. But he was stupid for putting Elo on Mike while Ron Harper was like, um, you know, put me on Jordan. Yeah, and they even, they even, yeah, they interview him <laughs> at the time. Yeah. All that. And, <laughs> And, and he's like, he, he cusses, he cusses, and he's like, I knew they were stupid, like, whatever, man. And it looks like in the play, they try to, um, I'm looking up who the Cleveland Cavaliers coach is at the time, but they um, they look at him, yeah. and, and it looks like Ron Harper is, like, trying to guard him like as well, so he's trying yeah. to double-team him, and he goes he goes left, and and, you know, you want to go over that? He goes like he uh, and like the whole the way it was designed. He says take one dribble and it, and like it moves so quick. I think he took two dribbles, but he ran to the left and he kind of like it kind of resembled like the, the Utah's final was supposed to be final shot, but he kind of like went up and double clutch. So just imagine how quick Jordan was and with a man he was able to do all of these, get the inbound, hit a dribble. And manage to double clutch and then get the pass off. I mean, get the shot off and everything. That was like probably like one of the most. That's probably one of the most iconic shots 
in mm-hmm. NBA history. And then if you look, as soon as he hits the shot, and you just see Elo collapse on the floor. I was like, I wonder what happened to that guy after this. Probably <laughs> well, killed himself. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yo, um. And then, like, that's crazy now, like, 30 years, this is the. Uh, 31 years later from that from, yeah from from that shot 31 years 31 years and you thinking when Jordan is pumping his fist and everything you thinking he's just like you know just like celebrating away he's telling everybody all his haters to go the fuck home <laughs> and they interview yeah they talk to Sam Smith who was yeah. who follows the Bulls and wrote the Jordan Rules and yeah, yeah he That's talks about what he was saying because all the all the people that predicted all predicted Cleveland and he's like he's like we 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 beat you in game four we beat you in game five he's like we're beating you tonight <laughs> so that was just him like yeah go home motherfuckers <laughs> and it was it was great and then they talk you know they um they they lose to the Pistons for the first time in the playoffs and then it kind of ends but um, Lenny Wilkins is the coach. Lenny Wilkins. Lenny Wilkins, yeah. He's one of the... Lenny yeah, he's, he's might, I think he's got the most wins and most losses in the NBA. That's how long he was a coach. Mm-hmm. He also coached for the uh, Supersonics. That's yeah. where I remember him most, when he was the coach of the Supersonics. Yeah. Right, Lenny I, Wilkins. Yeah, I remember him as the Hawks coach because I was a big um, Dominique Wilkins fan. Okay, okay. Yeah, so he ended. He ended up. He stopped coaching in two thousand and five with guess who? Whoa! Your Knicks. Harry, <laughs> <laughs> that New York was like the place. In two thousand five, that was a place where you just died. <laughs> like you never heard from the anybody really coaching after you know they went to to the Knicks. Yeah. Yeah, I don't want to. Talk to this guy. No, no, yeah. I got a lot. I got a man. I, I like at that time when all this whole the nineties. You know, I'm you know I'm a New York boy. Locally, we get all Nick games. So you know, I got a healthy respect and admiration for the Knicks. When you had Charles Oakley, John Starks, uh, Derek Harper, um, Patrick Ewing, Charles Smith. Um, um, uh, Anthony Mason, Xavier, Dan McDay, all of those cats. But then once the 2000s started, man, after they got put back, like after they got put out of um, when they got swept by the um, the, the Rockets, that was a wrap. That <laughs> That's all I got to say about the Knicks. Yeah. Nice <laughs> yeah. So let's roll into episode four, which kind of talks it it, it um. It still goes into Dennis Rodman, but now yeah. Scottie Pippen is coming back. Yeah. And <laughs> and I guess it's a big relief off of Dennis Rodman's back because of how hard Michael Jordan pushed him mm-hmm. that he just needed a break. But it was also like a sad moment because he realized that he was not like his buddy anymore. He was like... You know, the third wheel. yeah, he was the third wheel in this in this relationship, and you could tell he was upset by it. Yeah. And 
I think everyone everyone loves talking about what happens afterwards with him and Phil. <laughs> and the conversation that he brings Michael Jordan in. Because I don't think many people knew about what happened during the midseason with Dennis Rodman. But uh, you want what's a, what's a Vegas? Yeah, you want to you want to go over the how all that all went down? How so? It's Michael Jordan that explains it, by the way. Yeah, so I mean, for, I, it really kicks off at the end of of episode three when he like basically like you know I need a vacation and stuff like that. Michael's like, yo, what the fuck? I, I need a vacation, man. I all the work I put in, man. So then Phil was like, you know, just. I think they they know what they're dealing with, and they gotta give him like they said some some rope because if he doesn't get the rope that he needs, he's probably gonna rebel. So um, and you don't want that type of you know energy on the team you're trying to win championships, but um, especially like in the last dance. Um, so then the fourth so then the fourth episode kind of kicks off with him running rough shot rough shot all over Vegas, him and Carmen Electra. And 48, 48 hours go by, 50 hours, I think it was like, it was like three days. They, I don't know if the number actually stopped, but they come back. <laughs> so, yeah, so, so before that, uh, Michael Jordan has to go in, and he's, yeah, and he's like, yeah, I want a vacation too. So they agree he can go for 48 hours, and Michael Jordan tells Phil, I don't care what that man says, he ain't coming back in 48 hours. <laughs> and then it goes to I think commercial and comes back and it's like Dennis Rodman's been gone and says 48 and then the number just keeps going up and I think it got in the hundreds and then, and then yeah. went to the next scene <laughs> and, and they have to fly to Vegas that's crazy you gotta fly to Vegas and then you got at that time Carmen Electra she's not no random chick she's actually mm. I think she's on an MTV or MTV VJ and yeah. stuff like that so she's kind of a big deal very big so deal back then. He has to hide. Like, imagine, like, you're, you're a celebrity too. You know, so, but you gotta hide from Michael Jordan mm-hmm. and Phil Jackson because he's looking for, he had, literally has to come from Chicago and fly all the way to Vegas to pull Dennis Rodman out <laughs> of the bed. That's hilarious. Yeah. And that is absolutely hilarious. Yeah. And then the, the other part to that, after he goes crazy for how many hours? And he gets dragged back. Is Michael Jordan talks about the next practice, and yeah. and he tells the whole team, "Hey guys, we got to go easy because you know this guy just came off of this crazy bend. We'll get you know we don't want to get in trouble. We'll ease him in. We got to do these Indian runs. Go slow." And he's like, Steve Kerr goes up and like slows it down so Dennis Rodman can pick up, and then Dennis Rodman's turn to go all the way to the front. And he's like, he just started running, and we couldn't catch him for four laps. <laughs> and it just appreciate how in shape he is, like what you mentioned previously, how in shape this man is, that he can go crazy for that long and still be better than some of the people that have just won two titles in a row. And it's, and it's crazy, like, how people, and it shows, like, how reliable he is to, you know, how, you know, how reliable he is because... You know, I'm, you know, I took a couple days off, a few days off, did my thing, you know, probably had some drugs, probably had a lot of drink, a lot of women. And I come back and I outrun the whole team for four freaking laps. And it's like, you know, okay, man, we, we ain't really got to go hard this dude. Like, it's now back to business. Like, he, he's able to turn it on and turn it off. 
and everything. And once he's on and once he's on that court, it's just straight business. It's straight yeah. business. Like I'm gonna show you guys, you know, that that show you that you can still trust me. I'm sure he still <clears throat> felt a certain type of way about, you know, being a third wheel. I don't think it was like that. I don't think it was as bad as they kind of let on to it, like he was going to be some type of cancer. But I think he just felt like, you know, I just need to let loose because I had this pressure on me to be now the de facto sidekick to Michael Jordan while Pippen's away. And at that point, remember, they didn't even know if he was ever going to come back because in season, it was this episode two, he was he demanded a trade. And he made that statement after they won their fifth title that he probably wasn't coming back. Yeah, and I think it starts off with him agreeing that he's coming back, and then Pippen talks about why he came back, and like that's not how he wants to go out. They could, you know, he, he's a stand-up guy that kind of got screwed by management, and you feel bad for him, but he's like, you know, like I'm coming back because I can't do that to to everybody or myself, and let them like control the narrative. Do you want my opinion on this? Yeah. I felt like he folded. I felt like he played his hand. And, and to be honest, to be the sixth highest paid player on the team and hundred and something highest paid player in the league yeah. is BS. Given the fact that he's probably he's actually one of the fifty fifty greatest of all time. But to know that actually Krauss didn't have the leverage and you know, you folded, you could have sat out the whole you could have sat out, you could have got fined and everything, and eventually they would have traded you. Yeah. You fooled it. I, I mean, I'm not I'm not mad about it, but at the end yeah. of the day, you know, they there's like playing chicken. You was the you was the card that, that, that you know, you blink first. And, you know. Yeah, but it, it is interesting because Pippen is that weird scenario that it's like if he holds out and they start finding him. He's losing money, and he wasn't making much money. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah it was like 122nd in the league. And you're like, you know, for, for his talent, like, well, I wonder what would have happened if he did set out the whole year, um, how much you could have gotten from another team sitting out a whole year. Because it's different. People do that this, this, um, in this age, and for the most part, they're pretty fine. Like uh, Le'Veon Bell just got ridiculous amount of money, and he held out. But he kind of gave. He kind of like it was kind of already foretold. Like if they trade him away, like what type of impact you have on another team? Because if you think about the time when Mike left the first time to go play baseball, and it was just Pippen and Kukoc, and if he and um like. He couldn't, like, they couldn't get over the hump. They couldn't get, get past Houston. They couldn't get past the Spurs. <clears throat> Orlando. And, yeah. Oh, yeah, Orlando, all of them. They couldn't get, he couldn't get past those teams to win a championship, and he was frustrated. I remember it was one game, he threw a chair. Yeah, he was having tantrums on the bench and stuff like that. I remember he wore the Jordans, and he pointed to his Jordans, telling Michael to come back. <laughs> like, like, you could it, it kind of showed, like, how what your position was and, like, who you were, you know, as part of the team, you know. You weren't the alpha male as, as much as you wanted to be. When you left to go play in Houston and when you left to go play and, and, you know, you couldn't duplicate that success because you didn't have somebody like Jordan mm-hmm. to kind of, like, play off of. 
Yeah. So yeah, he he he's not the yeah like you said he's not like the alpha leader, but he's like exactly what that alpha leader wants for like yeah. his second pick. Like you know, you you're you're playing pickup and you got yourself and you're the best player. Your next pick is Scottie Pippen. <laughs> yeah, most definitely. Yeah. The second option, you you're not right now. You're not you're not the first, buddy. But you are second option. I'm about to pour me another. Uh, Nice. Nice. <laughs> do, do you have the Do you have the glass that Michael Jordan had? That three hundred dollar whiskey glass that's on the side. I, I did. <laughs> I got a, a six ninety nine glass from Walmart. <laughs> <laughs> I, I heard in it. I <laughs> yeah, I heard in it is I like. Think. Okay, you go. Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. I was like, I heard in it is is like his uh, tequila company, and he's trying to promote it and make people talk about it. That's why it's there. He's smart. Yeah. Jordan is smart. Like everything is about branding um, these days. Everything is about branding, and the fact that you set that up and you have your uh, your, your your company right there besides the Jumpman and stuff like that, it's going to tell people like, well, it's bad enough that people still are buying three hundred dollar pairs of Jordans. I might as well start getting into this killer and mm-hmm. seeing who can bite even during the summer. Yeah, I bet you people bought it. Yeah, it's like basically the whole stimulus check is the bottle. It's like it's like a, a twelve thirteen hundred dollars. It's like crazy. And would you buy it? Uh, if I was going on a bachelor party, I might buy it. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, just like yeah, we're drinking Michael Jordan tequila. Um. Yeah, but um, this uh, this this uh, episode, episode four, it, it brings everyone back into it, and then goes into Phil Jackson and Phil Jackson's relationship with Dennis Rodman, and just craziness that Phil Jackson had growing up, that he basically lived in like a Native American land, it seems like, and that's basically mm-hmm. all he hung out with. Mm-hmm. His family didn't want him to play sports, but he played sports. And you see photos, and he's just like this giant, goofy-looking kid, <laughs> like around all the normal-sized people. And he still, but he still had the the, the, the broad-pointed, squared-off shoulders. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's actually, that was one of the first things I looked for. I was like, right, let me see. Yup, he got the shoulders. Even when he was a little kid. Yeah. But when he was, what was crazy though, like his life and Dennis. There were like so many parallels. Um, how Dennis was defiant. You know, his mother worked hard. Um, I think she was a bus driver. And then you look over to Phil. Phil's parents were ministers, and they preached, you know, basically hellfire and brimstone and the second coming of Christ. Mm-hmm. He's like, man, I ain't trying to hear all that. I'm trying to play ball. And so it was kind of like a rebellion, a rebellion against his parents. And I'm sure. You know, rebellion against their wishes. So then, like, you think about him going to college and then getting drafted by the Knicks, and then they talk about how he did, what was it, acid? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, what? How do you play? Like, okay, what? He was basically a hippie that was really good at basketball. Yeah. And so it was like he lived kind of like the same. You know, I'm going to be, he had like the same, I'm going to be me, I'm going to live my life like Dennis Rodman had. When Dennis left the, um, when Dennis left the Spurs, 
you know, got with Madonna, she told him it was okay to be you and be free and be who you are, uh, you know, despite what, what anybody has to say. And that's when he started calling his hair and having the piercings and stuff like that. So I think, like, Phil saw a lot of him, of himself back in that day, and Dennis. And then it all comes together where he's like, um, he tells, he shows Phil, like, his chain, was it, like, uh, a tooth or something like that? Yeah, it was something Native American. I don't, yeah. I don't know exactly what it was. And he was like, you know, he's like, hey, like, he's basically saying, like, hey, me and you, Phil, we're one of the same. And he's like, well, we are, but then you're, like, the person in the tribe that walks backwards. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, we're one of the same, but you are that one, that one outlier. You, you are that one that will you know, push the envelope and that that's who Dennis is and I think people, you know, respect respect him for it. People revere as much as under underappreciated in my opinion, people still revere um Dennis Rodman. And like now after twenty years after their careers have ended, you never hear outside of going to North Korea, you never hear nobody say anything bad about Dennis Rodman. He had his moments, he had his times, he had his struggles, stuff like that. But everybody talks about um, how much he's loved, um, how much he, he loves people, and how yeah. sensitive he is. Yeah, and and they had a clip of him interacting with, I think, some French kid uh, when he was walking by, and he signed an autograph and then gave him a pair of shoes. Yeah. And just like... Want to go to Tennessee? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like I've been to Memphis or whatever. So I ain't going back. <laughs> <laughs> no way. He gave the kid his shoes, he signed them, and, and yeah, it just seemed like like he understood the fans and that they were there for them, and he would give them the time of day as much as they wanted. Mm-hmm. Which, which I think is why people love Dennis Rodman. It's because he wasn't like a jerk off the court to people, except for that. Cameraman. <laughs> that was on the court. <laughs> <laughs> he, gave, he gave him that energy too, but it wasn't that energy that he thought he was going to get. But um, um, one my my favorite one of my favorite highlights before the ending of the uh, the episode was Phil Jackson coaching in Puerto Rico, and how wild. Yeah coaching in Puerto Rico was at the time that like it was basically like football on on a basketball court and the fans would like attack people and throw stuff at refs and then they mentioned the mayor of a town shot a referee in the leg and and the only thing that happened was he couldn't go to games for like the rest of the year and gotta keep you alive buddy boy we got Keep you alive and upright. Yeah, and I'm just thinking, like, yeah, I'm just uh, imagining. Yeah, I'm just like Phil Jackson, this tall white guy in Puerto Rico coaching. Like, how is he not getting killed? <laughs> you know, all this is happening around him. Yeah. But, you know, it was crazy. Yeah, so he, he's like this obscure guy, but he's successful at coaching. And then he goes yeah. to some random Albany, some random small basketball league. Wins a championship. CBA, right? It might be the CBA. Yeah. Wins a championship. It's doing pretty good. And Jerry Krause finds him and puts him under Doug Collins. Or tries to the first time. The first, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But uh, Phil Jackson, yeah. Phil Jackson being the man he is, shows up in not a suit, but whatever he showed up in. 
And they said no. <laughs> but see, if you think about that, you even think about the first time Dennis met Phil and how he said he had the poor boy hat on. And he was just like, I don't give a, like a I don't give an attitude. Mm. And he told him to stand up and shake his hand and go out back and talk to if you want to be a bull, want to be a Chicago bull. He said, man, I don't shoot basketball. And it was kind of like the same like first impression with Doug Collins and uh, Jerry Krause, and then he didn't get he wasn't able to become coach. And then the second time around, you know, Krause kind of like coached them and everything. So that was pretty cool. That was definitely pretty cool. Yeah, and might not have been Doug Collins is that he was getting under. Might have been the coach before him because they had like yeah, three yeah. coaches, I think. Yeah, I think they, something. Yeah, so I think under Doug Collins, he finally got he, he finally got in, and then yeah. and then Kraus is like, yeah, I was just kind of basically grooming Phil Jackson to take it over when I think when I thought he was ready, which was kind of how he did Phil Jackson at the end. He kind of wanted to bring in Tim Floyd and mm-hmm. kick him out. Mm-hmm. If you think about it, this kind of reminds me of the Packers now, how they drafted Aaron Rodgers to sit under Brett Favre, <laughs> and they pushed Brett Favre out, and now they <laughs> drafted Jordan Love to under Aaron Rodgers, now they put Aaron Rodgers out. So, like, that's crazy. And then, but remember, it also didn't start with Phil Jackson. It was being an assistant, but then remember how um, Jerry Krause wanted Phil, uh, Phil Collins um, wanted Collins to um, buy into what Tex Winters was um, selling when it came to the triangle offense. And remember, it got so bad, like he was trying, really pushing this concept, pushing this concept, pushing this concept. And Collins was like, nah, I want parts of it. We're going to do it my way. We'll keep getting the ball, feeding Jordan the ball. And it got so bad, remember, he got banished from the bench. Mm-hmm. And during that time, that's when Phil and um, Phil and Tex, they kind of, you know, kind of connected. And he was starting to get mentored by him. And he, I think Collins saw that eventually. He saw the writing on the wall. He saw the writings on the wall that they're, you know, like you said, they're grooming him to be his successor. And from that point on, it was always Phil and Tex in Chicago and then Phil and Tex in L.A. Yeah, so... Let's get into Phil Jackson is now the head coach, and Michael Jordan wasn't fond of it because he liked Collins. Collins would feed him the ball. They showed his numbers went down under Phil Jackson. But Phil basically said something that was super important, and that was like, if, if you're like the top scorer and we're always giving you the ball, it's a lot easier to play against us. Mm-hmm. And if we can make someone else a threat, Mm-hmm. Then that makes the whole team successful, and and it took them like a year for them to really get the concept of the triangle, which mm-hmm. was another heartbreaking loss to the Pistons in the playoffs. And then when they all feel like they all bought in in year three against the Pistons in the playoffs, you're like, it gives you the illusion that hey, they they might beat them this time, yeah. and it gets to game seven. And then, <laughs> and game seven is where it all goes down. And it looks like Jordan is still salty to Pippen about game seven with the migraine. The migraine. <laughs> <laughs> Which, I, where do you stand on that? Because I've never had a migraine like that that would keep me out 
of anything, so I don't know how bad it actually is. Nah, migraines are probably one of the worst things. If you if you go back to the person I can I can really remember was Terrell Davis with the uh, Denver Broncos. He had migraines bad where he couldn't even finish the game. So like, remember that like during that time that era was you get beat up pretty bad in the paint in, in, in the NBA. So you know if you're going to take a beat, you want to take shots to the head. But then with with Pippen being like the, the the primary primary like the point forward, the point guard, you know, you got to be able to see the whole court. And a migraine does affect your eyesight. Does affect you know your nauseousness, the headache, all those things. Like you are basically blind without um, with a migraine. And so like you know it's plausible. And I don't see like he's never ever shown a period of time where he didn't where he you know. You know, wasn't up to to a challenge, so I kind of you know got to give dude benefit of the doubt. Yeah, yeah, and it was really unfortunate because you're like, man, this if you don't know the history, like this could be the chance that the Bulls finally beat the Pistons. They got them to Game Seven. It's you know, it's kind of back and forth, and then it's just Mm -hmm. it's just done. And and Jordan is basically lost to the Pistons three years in a row. The Pistons have won the championship two years in a row. And you're like, all right, he's, he finally got to this level. He's accepted a uh, diminished role on the in the offense that he thinks is going to win it all. And then he basically takes his takes himself to the next level and brings everyone with him and becomes yeah. his leader. And he's like, yep, within the next week, we're all working out. Yeah. And, and um, what we didn't talk about, actually, let's go back to that um, playoff series, is... It got to Game Seven, but during that playoffs, the um, the Jordan rules are revealed. Yeah, and that's what really made him start working out. So yeah, if we backtrack, Jordan's going off on him, and they're like, you know what? This is basically what Phil Jackson said. We just focus on him. We're good. So they had the Jordan rules, and basically they say like we push him to the left, we get him away from the baseline where he can run. Uh, what was the other one? He gets off the ground. We <laughs> get down. Get the, the whole the whole option over objective was to not get him, get him to a place where he could get up off the ground. It was like to hit him while his feet were on the ground, push him to the elbows. Um, if you hit him, if you keep, if you um, get to the baseline, that's when the forwards like Mahorn, Rob, and then Beard, you know, they'll converge on him, stuff like that. And it's crazy then. Like I remember. Growing up um, and going to the barbershop, we like that was always the topic of like Jordan. No matter where you were, no matter who he was playing, it was it was like you know what would you do if you was the coach of other team? And they would always say, "Man, you already know Jordan's going to get his points. Let Jordan get his points." And it's like speaking like, as far as the tribal office is concerned, let him get his points and then make everybody else work. And so like. That was the purpose of, you know, the triangle offense, just to counteract what everybody else would do. And then going back to the Pistons game, like the whole, the whole Jordan Rules thing, like they beat them down, man. They they, they they didn't have an answer. Like Jordan could do whatever he could do, but they didn't have an answer for it. And they like really imposed their will on that team. Those uh, 
first two years, eight nine and nine. Yeah, they 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 showed like this montage of just Jordan get taken down in the playoffs, and like by today's standards, how many of those players would have been a, like flagrants? <laughs> yeah, yeah, a lot of people would be lighting a wallet. A lot yeah. of people be lighting the wallet. Yeah, but it, and as basketball, we still have those conversations with people. You like you give them their points, just don't let them help other people get their points. Like they're going to go off, they're going to shoot. If they shoot thirty times, they'll shoot thirty times. That's fine. You, can, you can't stop them from scoring. But see, that's what makes somebody like LeBron so different and so great. Because his game is not predicated on him just scoring. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like his his he has an all around game where I can do more than just score. And then when it comes down to crunch time, if need be, I know how to turn it on and you know get, try to you know eat that win up. You know I don't have to necessarily be the last person to you know shoot the shot. You know the game with a shot, which everybody thinks he's supposed to. I know how to put myself and my team where we can dominate and somebody else can be the hero of that night if I choose not to. So, like, you know, people like people don't see that in LeBron. Yeah, and I, I think that's what makes the player one of the best is, like, mm-hmm. when they focus all their attention on you, how you can make other people better. And that, that's why LeBron is so successful everywhere he goes. Mm-hmm. Like, you look at the Cleveland Cavaliers now, they're trash. They suck. Yeah. They're trash. Yeah. It, it, <laughs> took, it took years for the Heat to get good again, and they just mm-hmm. they just brought uh, Jimmy Butler in, which also helped. You Man. know. But then you got somebody like Pat Riley, you know, sitting at the helmet, you know, the GM and the president and stuff like that. So, he, you know, he has that championship mm-hmm. pedigree. Even back from far as back as being with the Lakers, so you knew he was going to put together, put together um, a winning team. Um, you know, yeah, yeah. Cavaliers. I don't know. Well, well, let's compare right now to back when this documentary was happening in the past. How many great Hall of Fame coaches were there back then? In this documentary that Jordan had to play on a consistent basis, and then think about the Hall of Fame coaches now. You got like Greg Popovich, and then everyone else mm-hmm. is like two or three years and gone out of the league. Um, let me see. You had Daly. You had yeah, Chuck Daly. You had um, Lenny Wilkins. Lenny Wilkins. You had Pat Riley. You had um, Brad Auerbach with the Celtics. Um, I mean, you got you got some you got some coaches. You got, definitely do have some coaches. Like now, like you. I mean, yeah, like, only person that you have is Popovich. You have, um, gosh. Is, uh, I would say George Carl, but that was a, a that's not that current now. And Jer- I, Jerry Sloan back then, too. I'm about to say Jerry Sloan. I'm about to say Jerry Sloan. Um, but then, like, everybody else was great, like, I wish I wish um, Jeff Van Gundy would have came back and coached again because he was out of a coach with the Knicks. Um, I wish uh, Steve Kerr. And that's crazy. Like Steve, people sleep on the fact that Steve Kerr is a five-time NBA champion as a player, 
And then as a coach, he's won, was it two or three? Three. Three. I think, right? So you got Yeah. They, they went back yeah. to back and they won one. Yeah, they, yeah. they went five so, in a row. And, yeah. Look, he, he's, he's old. Like, people sleep people sleep on Steve Kerr. So he's, def, he's definitely going to be a Hall of Fame uh, and a Hall of Fame as a coach. So, I don't know. Like, there's, I mean, but back in the day, man, you had, like, a who's who, not just of coaches, but that was, like, a who's who of players. And they're going to touch on that in episode five or six when they talk about the Dream Team. That's going to be... That's going to be the one when you talk about the whole collective of players coming together. Now, can I ask you this? Yeah. And that's been that's been the whole that seems to be like the, the big topic. When and if you look at when they lost both the eighty nine and ninety playoffs, right? And then when they finally beat the um, the the Pistons, they um. You know, they walked off with seven to nine, ten seconds left. Do you think that that particular act by Isaiah is what kept him off the dream team? That's what everybody's saying. That's what he believes. That's what, and that's what, like, that's, you know, where I'm at, that's what seems to be the debate. uh, All right. All right, so that's a good point. So, um, so in this, they finally show him get over the hump and get to the and get to the finals. Yeah, and that's what happens is the bull is the Bulls beat the Pistons, sweep the sh- sweep them. Don't even make it a, a series, sweep them. So his his off season working out and all that, you can tell they were focused. They're trying to knock them down. Pippen's getting pushed. They they they're strict. They handle their business. Isaiah walks off. And Michael Jordan's like, man, he's still an asshole. Like, he's going to tell you what he wants to tell you. Um, I saw a video of, like, a few months after that, and I don't know how the timeline works with the Olympics, but in which he was saying he was was disrespectful and he shouldn't have done it. So I wonder if he said it back then to try to make the dream team. And then now he's just saying what he really feels. Like, hey, man, other people did it. Yeah. So that is a good that is a good thing um, a good thing you brought up. I don't know that's the reason why he was not on the team. I'd have yeah. to look at actually every player and see what need. But I don't. The dream team is so tough because there's so many people that could have been on it that also weren't. Like you put Christian yeah. Leitner over Shaquille O'Neal, <laughs> you could have had twelve. Uh, everyone on, is in the Hall of Fame as an individual except him. I don't think Shaq was... I think Shaq was still in college. So was like, Christian Leitner. But now, I, I wanted to put... I mean, you know... Him being the freaking blue devil yeah. and everything. And he, can, he made the team straight out of college. And I would like... Yeah, I wanted to put... I, you could have put anybody else on that team instead of Leitner. Yeah, I'm looking anybody up the dream else. team right now. So here's the, here's the coaching... People on the um, the coaches, Chuck Daly was the head coach. Assist Lenny Wilkins, PJ Carlissimo, and Mike Shashevsky. So Mike Shashevsky might be the reason why um, he made the team. He made the team. The leading scorer. You want to take a guess at who that was? Uh, Patrick Ewing. No. Ooh. He is a great commentator nowadays. Great commentator. Uh. Or, Maybe like analyst, analyst. I guess you might say. 
He doesn't do games. He sits on... Charles Barkley? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but Charles Barkley wasn't fat then. No. Charles Barkley was all solid. Yeah. When, when they were showing the Bulls beating up on the Sixers... You see Charles Barkley looking nice and nice and fit. <laughs> I'm like, that's weird. I can't picture him like in shape. Do you um, have the list? Of, do you have the list right right in front of you? Yep, and I got the lead. The assist leader was Scottie Pippen. Really? Yeah. So you had tell me from right. Um I'm trying to find the like just the list of the roster. Here we go. Okay, Patrick Ewing. Yep. Stockton. Yep. Jordan. Mm-hmm. Pippen. Magic. Carmelo. Christian Leighton. Charles Barkley. Did I say Magic already? I think I said Magic. You said, yep. You're Was missing. Uh, yes. David Robinson. Boom. <laughs> I was like, he's going to miss it. There's another, there's another guy. Anybody uh, else? Great shooter. Six seven, from the Warriors. I said Chris Mullen. Did you? Okay. Yeah. What Chris Mullen? St. John's. St. John's. <laughs> what? Come on, yeah. <laughs> so was it? That was only ten people, right? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, twelve. I'm missing. So I'm missing two people then. You said Christian, David, Ewing, Bird. You said Pippen, Jordan, Malone, Stockton. Mullen, Magic. We mentioned Charles Barkley. Uh huh. I don't think I said Malone. Did you say the guy from Portland? Oh yeah, Drexler. Okay, I wasn't sure if you said him or not. Yeah, Drexler. Dang. And he came. He started. Matter of fact, he came out. He came into the league the same year Jordan came. That's why Jordan was number. Mm-hmm. Was number three? Um, I'm going to go back, but they, this is on Wikipedia. They have a section of Thomas Isaiah Thomas left off the team, and Leitner uh-huh. makes team over O'Neal. <laughs> so the selection... Sure the man on the team, man. Yeah, so here's... This, here's I'm going to read the Leitner thing first. The selection committee considered several college players, including Jimmy Jackson, Harold Miner, Alonzo Mourning, and O'Neal and Leitner. Wow. O'Neal was the number one pick in the 92 draft, but Leitner's okay. Devils won, you know, they won the championship, and he was the player of the year. Yeah. So I definitely think the reason why he made it was Coach K. Yeah. It had to be. Yeah. It had to be. Imagine, like, like imagine if Shaq was on there instead of Leitner. <laughs> that would have been, I don't think anybody would have been able to score on, oh my gosh! Mm. Oh my gosh! How do you think Leitner feels looking back? And he's like, "Yeah, I was a guy. Like I was a great college player, but I shouldn't have been on the dream team compared to what what Shaquille did in the in the NBA compared to me." I don't think he would have like. I don't think he would even admit that. Because Leitner is like kind of like I, I don't give a damn what anybody says about me. Anybody, I, I, everybody hates him, but. Yeah, wasn't there, I think there was a documentary called I Hate Christian Leighton. I hate Christian Leighton, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. yeah, so, I mean, he made the team, he got his rings, and he's part of the dream team, yeah. you know. Um, I don't know how much playing time he got, I haven't looked at it yet, 
but Isaiah Thomas left off the team. The reason why there's speculation is because at the time, Jordan did not like him, and Jordan was seen as the ringleader because of the bad boy Pistons, you know, and how they always had physical attacks on them in the playoffs. Um, and none of them made it. Not one, not no. one Piston player made it. Um, yeah, I'm trying to see. But then, but then, then again, you have Chuck Daly, who was the head coach of the Dream Team, so... I mean, like at the end, like he could have went to Jerry Colangelo, who was the who was basically like the GM for the Dream Team, and he could have petitioned just like how Tchaikovsky petitioned for Leitner. Why didn't Daly mm-hmm. petition for, you know, Isaiah? Yeah, here's a um, interesting uh, thing about Magic Johnson talking about it is he supported him. The support for Isaiah Thomas was less than enthusiastic. And in his book, he said, Isaiah killed his own chances when it came to the Olympics. Nobody on that team wanted to play with him. Stockton broke a bone in his leg, and it healed quickly. But initially, they were going to replace him with Joe Dumars. So Thomas wasn't even going to be the first substitute. And I've heard that as well, that Isaiah Thomas, everybody hated him. So so that might just... Yeah. I damn like I listen to the radio I I'll watch first take when I come home from work sometimes and then I go back on YouTube and watch excerpts of it and he talks he basically credits himself and the Pistons for the fact that the Bulls have a three P two three P he says I think what they did they stole three players from the book from the Pistons um John Sally um John Sally Dennis Rodman, I forgot who the third person was, but you stole, they stole it from us, and what they did was steal our Pistons' way of winning, and that created the Bulls' success, which I think is totally bullcrap and everything. I just don't, it's, I've never ever liked him. I hate the way he smiles, I hate his eyebrows, I hated him for when he was sexually harassing women, I hate the fact that he killed the CBA. He almost killed the Raptors, killed his chance with the Knicks. I can't believe the fact that he got a job with the Knicks twice. <laughs> yeah. Like, I hate, like, I, there's not a player in the NBA I detest more than Isaiah Thomas. Yeah, well, John Sally, who was on the Pistons and then played for uh-huh. the Bulls, he just yeah. came out this, um, this week and talked about why he thinks that Mike, that he hates Michael Jordan, and he and he uh, reeled off this story of Isaiah Thomas running into his nephew, who was from Chicago, and Isaiah Thomas is from Chicago too, and his yeah. nephew had on a Michael Jordan jersey, and he's oh. and he's like, "What are you doing with a Michael Jordan jersey?" He's like, "I I'm the, I'm like a two time champion, like you're related to me. Where's my jersey?" And he's like, "I'm repping the home team. Like I love Michael Jordan." And and John, and John Sally's like I think that just got to him that like his own family was like not even a fan of his own team no matter how many championships he wins like Michael Jordan is like more loved than him and I think that might have just irked him maybe to this day and you never hear Isaiah Thomas um, talk about Chicago at all like the only time I, I remember the fact that him that he was from there 
was when I remember in seventh, like seventh, eighth grade, I went to the theater mm-hmm. with my basketball team to go see Hoop Dreams. If you remember that movie, I do. It was like a documentary. Yeah, yeah it was a great movie. And, a documentary. Like, and so, like that private school was where Isaiah Thomas, you know, he went, went and played for that, that high school. That's the only time I've ever heard Isaiah Thomas in Chicago um, talking in one, you know, in one conversation. He never talks about it. Only thing he talks about is the is the Pistons, and it's cool. You could be, you know, have that team pride, but hey, you like. And I think it's because he gets no love. He has there's no love for him in Chicago because of the way he acted um, as a Piston. Yeah, and that that's rare. From you know, how many hometowns? Don't like their their players that are just amazing. Like when they showed Scottie Pippen, they had like a sign like Scottie Pippen lived here. You know, he was born here. Yeah, you know, yeah. And nobody, mm. no, no, this is not no. You got you got a Jordan statue in your city. <laughs> you went but and like you can't even go back home after one of those two championships. You can never go back home and celebrate and be like this is the hometown boy. Like now nah, this is the hometown boy that. You know, put Michael Jordan out, like put our Michael Jordan out, mm-hmm. out the playoffs. No love. Yeah. Absolutely yeah. So as we start to wrap up this podcast, there's a few things we didn't discuss that were just great moments in the in the um, the footage that was never seen before. And mm-hmm. Scott Burrow, do you remember his his little one minute scene <laughs> that he was probably. Hayden was filmed well, for twenties. <laughs> yeah, it's him and Jordan, and the candy's like, "Get that camera out of here!" And Jordan's just smack talking. <laughs> My mom and dad are going to see this. Yeah, he's like, he's like, yeah, he's the biggest player. <laughs> <laughs> this is Robin Jr. Yeah, that that was hilarious. I'm like, dang, like now. Like thirty years, thirty years later, you thought that that footage was going to be like forever missing, and now he's regretted it. Back to haunt you. Yeah, I read. I read an article. Um, I think it might have been USA Today, but they found his wife and they talked to his wife about, "Hey, well, you watch this. What did What did you think about your your husband from back in the day? What did Jordan say?" And she was like, "Well, I was in high school at the time, so I'm cool with it." <laughs> <laughs> she's like she does, he doesn't need to worry anymore like, like he's lucky yeah she's like it's lucky. cool I'm like man imagine him like when he heard this documentary was coming out I was like oh man my wife's gonna find out what kind of man I was yeah <laughs> I wonder how Michael Jordan got into gambling um, they saw two two or three different times he was on, like the plane or the bus and they were like gambling and then you know like that whole thing when he was in New York oh he went to I think Atlantic City or something like that and like spent all night gambling in like 93 or something like that yeah so I just I always wanted like what I'm, guy meant to gamble I, I want, it might be part of the competitive nature of having to win yeah that you know you can just you can just try as hard as you can and you'll probably never get the odds in your favor yeah and he's just like, I'm just gonna beat it, like horse racers, you know. They're like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna beat the, I'm gonna beat it, like. Yeah. It's like a one percent chance. Everyone else goes broke, so I don't know, but like Tim Charles Barkley, maybe it might have been just the friends he hung out with in, in the NBA that were into it. I don't know, 
But yeah, every time you see him hanging out with everybody, he's gambling. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I bet you he's still he'd be up in the owner's box at the bar at the uh, at the um, point of game gambling. Yeah, yeah. The uh, the last thing we're going to talk about before we wrap this uh, podcast up, just quick on the NBA Finals. They're in there. They finally get over the hump. They play the Lakers, and it was even that much of a challenge. And and you could tell Magic Johnson, he was not ups- he was not upset that he lost because he's like it was his time. We knew they were a better team. They lost in I think five games. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I had that video. I had that. I remember. I remember that whole. Series vividly, and I actually had. I remember that time I snuck and put. Um, I ordered Sports Illustrated in my mom's name, <laughs> <laughs> and I forged her signature on the check, and I got like the whole year subscription of Sports Illustrated, and with that you got the the ninety one the nineteen ninety one um, first championship of the Bulls. It was called Learning to Fly. Man, I used to watch that video. Incessantly, like I remember everything, like the whole, the whole thing where it was like nine seconds left, and Jordan actually had a shot to beat them in the in game one, one, two, five. Man, it was a wrap. Like Magic had no answer, and believe it or not, if you if you think about it, that was like really the last full set of no full season Magic played. Because remember that next. November, November ninety one was when he came out had to retire because he had uh, HIV. Hmm. So think about that. Right. And think about how gracious he was with the defeat too, compared to how the Pistons were. Yeah, they even show him seeking out Michael Jordan um, behind the scenes to congratulate him, yeah. like a second time. You know, yeah. and that goes to the character. Like everything Isaiah was saying, like they walked off, yada yada, and Boston walked off too. But it goes to the character of those players. Like they show true respect for each other, for the, for each other's team, and for the game and everything. Like yeah. yeah, and not every player walked off. John Sally, um, I don't know if you watched the Sports Centers after, but John mm-hmm. Sally was on there and was like, "Yeah, I didn't walk off. I didn't want to be a part of it. It's like yeah. not who I am." And, yeah, it was disappointing that, you know, Lambeer was the one that said it. Because I haven't heard anything from Lambeer about it. But, yeah, you you look at, like, a a nice champion that people respect, the Lakers. Mm -hmm. And they always talk about the Lakers. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of like the Pistons are forgotten. And it might be because of just how bad they were when they got defeated. Yeah. Yeah. And Magic was competitive. Magic was not, Mm -hmm. like, a pushover or anything like he had that competitive fire. Pat Riley instilled that competitive fire in that team. And then you think about James Worthy being on that team, also from the Tar Heels. Sam <laughs> Perkins, who was a Tar Heel. So it wasn't like they, you know, laughing up. They weren't pushovers. They weren't like somebody that was just going to willing to lay down for anybody. They were competitors. And the fact that they can't be gracious enough, even in defeat, like, man, it kind of like, it kills uh, Isaiah Thomas's theory, man. Yeah. And, that yeah. And what also they show, speaking one more thing about Isaiah Thomas and Matt, Michael Jordan, is Michael Jordan's like, when we lost to them, even in game seven, I went and shook hands with everybody. 
Sure did. Both series. Yeah. And Both it, series. It, it just shows at the kind of the, the kind of person Michael Jordan is and all these other ones and why they're reveled as some of the best players and Isaiah Thomas is kind of forgotten about a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Get Isaiah Thomas. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so, so kind of the, the episode... I feel like it ends on a good note. Like, they just won their first championship. You see Michael Jordan, like, crying, like, his heart out, holding the trophy. Mm-hmm. You know, and uh, I, and then um, and then it just kind of ends. And you're like, all right, so what happens next in 1998? What I'm wondering about is how much footage are they going to show of um, the past? Because mm-hmm. um, I don't know if this was shown just because they didn't have a lot of footage from the beginning of the 97-98 season. Mm-hmm. And now, like, in January and March, they get a lot more footage mm-hmm. with them all. I don't know. I, w- I want to I know what the director was thinking with this extended background of all this stuff. Or is this going to be every episode? I think it's going to be every episode. I think they had to, like, pull pieces that were significant to that episode. Um, like it ended like actually episode four ended with them like punishing the, the Jazz, but then the Jazz coming back and defeating them. It was sort of precursor because remember in in '96 the last season they were going up against the Utah Jazz again, and the year before that they beat them in the finals uh, in '95. So I think it's just a setup. Um, I'm sure they're going to talk. They're going to probably you know. We still have like another six episodes left. Yep. So we're gonna have footage left uh, to spread throughout. Um, if I'm looking forward to anything um, and um, upcoming, I think I'm looking forward. Besides the dream team, is the story of Jordan's first set of three pieces of retirement. Because I keep all thing I'm thinking about now is when his dad celebrated with him the first um, championship. And then think about his death, and then his fourth championship on Father's Day without his dad. So, like, that's what I'm looking forward to um, in the coming episodes, man. Yeah, how would life you know, change without dad being there? Yeah, I, I'm really curious to see how much footage we see of uh, some of the other players besides Jordan. Like, do they get into, like, Ron yeah. Harper or Steve Kerr's background as well? Or is it just these big three, and then it, I think Horace Grant might be the other one they get into on the team. something coming up, though. It's supposed to be some type of thing like Horace Grant will be throwing people under the bus. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I think that was like a, a, um, a teaser like, um, that came on some point this week. Like something's going to be coming up, and it's going to revolve around Horace Grant. Huh. So I definitely want to know like what was the circumstances of why he left and went to Orlando. And yeah. So I think they made him that also. Yeah, that's going to be an interesting one. And by the way, did you see how jacked Horace Grant is, like, at his age? Yeah. <laughs> like, they looked at him, and he's like, man, the Pistons are bitches. And he's just like, <laughs> he's, like <laughs> he's so jacked. I was like, holy crap, man. You know what's crazy? They all still, like, 30 years later, they all still look the same. BJ Armstrong still looks the same. Judd Bush, the Will Purdue, Patson, Horace Grant. Bill Carter looks slightly older, but they all, believe it or not, look the same. One person I want to know, 
backstory, and this is probably sounds funny, Ron Harper, and whether that they talk about why he couldn't read, <laughs> why he couldn't read, and his stutter. So you know he like, like he as as a bull, he couldn't read. I didn't know he could never read. Yeah, he couldn't <laughs> read. And like he also had, he grew up with a speech impediment. Like he like stutter all the time. And so like I wonder if they're going to talk about that. I don't know, like big players like him. But I felt like he was important. He was important to that, to that um that second wave of three peaks. But yeah, I can't wait, man. Yeah. Um, for anybody that is interested in this um, documentary, it comes on ESPN on Sundays, and I'm assuming they put the replays in front of them because they yeah. did that for the last time. But um, I think they broadcast it on ESPN and ESPN Two because like ESPN one Two is the clean version. Yeah, ESPN Two is the clean version. Okay, because I DVR it, and like the I had to like watch it Sunday night when I got to work. And I was like, why did Two sets and it's a mature mature audience set. That's the one I want to watch. I want to watch the curses on here. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, because it would suck to not hear the curses. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah he'd be like, "What did Jordan call? <laughs> call Isaiah? He called him a what?" <laughs> it kind of sounds pretty dope to hear Jordan. You never hear him in his life like Jordan's cussing up the storm and stuff like that. So that's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. Yeah, I'm excited. I I don't know about you, but I like how they space it out for two episodes a week instead of everyone just binging it and then just like being over and done with. Is look at how many people are going to talk about it over a period of time, and then you kind of absorb those episodes a lot longer. Yeah, and it's smart too because Mm -hmm. we have like four more weeks left of this. And then you think right now in this climate where we have to deal with the coronavirus and stuff like that, um, and the pandemic, and we, we're probably not going to get any type of sports for the next four weeks. So I feel like this, they're moving uh, the documentary up to, to now, instead of waiting to June like they were originally planned it, I think it's pretty cool, man, and, and, and it satisfies people's want for some type of sports now you're reliving for some people for a lot of people they're reliving you know their youth they, the bulls and everything and for the young people you now can really see the true greatness of the bulls and of michael jordan and and finally say like okay maybe the warriors don't compare to what the bulls did like the bulls put up with a whole lot of stuff to get to 72 and 10 and they three P and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah, I think that's yeah. It's also crazy to think that a general manager would tell a coach, "You can go undefeated all year. You're not coming back." We're going to get rid of you. <laughs> <laughs> He's a piece. Jerry, Jerry Krause, man. You're a piece of trash. Don't you have a? Don't you have a girl nobody's playing dancer like that either, man? <laughs> uh, yeah, it was uh, it was funny to see how happy they were in the first championship. Um, just dancing and just getting to the championship with Jerry and then you're like well six seven years later like I wonder if they win the championship they're like get away from us Jerry like, <laughs> 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 they lock him out of the, celebr- the the ceremony in the locker room you know man that's it he was something else man rest in peace though yeah I, f- I feel bad because he can't defend himself but uh yeah. But the owner's there, and he's not making either one of them look any better, basically. Reinsdorf. 
But he's not taking. He he's also not taking none of the blame either. <laughs> You're the owner. You had say. You could have said, mm-hmm. "No, Jerry, we're going to keep Phil. We are as long as we win the championships, we're going to ride this thing out." It wasn't like like mm-hmm. if it ain't broke, don't fix it. And he wasn't broken. They try to fix it, and here, this is where they are right now. Yeah. But um, yeah. Well, thanks, Stephen, for joining. This podcast, I enjoyed it. My pleasure, my pleasure, man. Anytime. Yeah, I can't wait to see uh, the dream team at Horace Grant now. Definitely. Because I wonder if they do bring up uh, Isaiah Thomas and why he was off the team, and end all that, all that um, speculation. Man. Mm-hmm. And I want to see why, and I really want to know the real reason why they put Lakeland on there. Answer that question for us. The world wants to know how the hell Christian Leighton and how the hell did Christian Leighton end up on the team over Shaquille O'Neal? And I I mean, I I don't know how good Alonzo Mourning was in college, but he was on the list. He was on the list as being possibly taken. He was dope. Like I remember, I remember Alonzo Mourning playing. He played in um, uh, Georgetown. Like yeah, he was supposed to be like second coming of Patrick Ewing. Okay, I kind of remember yeah, because yeah, because it was like him, Dikembe, and Ewing, all these great centers coming out of uh, Georgetown. Mhm, mhm. Mm. And then he had, I remember he did. He played. And if I remember so correctly, he played there for five years. He was a five. He he, he went there. I think he got his masters, but he had he, he utilized all of his eligibility. Played his fifth year. And then he got drafted by the Hornets. So, yeah. Yeah, the Hornets, man. That that's my NBA Jam team when I play. <laughs> <laughs> Morning and Johnson. <laughs> hey, it's LJ, man. And that that was that was definitely that was definitely the team back in the day. For real, for real. Um, well, um, thanks for listening to. Um, this episode of the podcast on everything you can check us out on the podcast on everything.com you can go to iTunes Stitcher Google Play um, tune in they all have all previous episodes of this podcast um, thanks for listening and I hope you guys enjoyed it peace out